and welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Our podcast is all about learning how to educate your kids. I'm one of the hosts, Elle, and this is episode 29. This episode is special because our guest today has been homeschooling kids for many years, and she she's going to give us advice on how to homeschool from PK all the way through high school. So I want you to listen in, and if you have questions, please send us an email at cleverlychanging at gmail.com. If you are a new listener to our podcast, I'd like to thank you for joining us. I am an entrepreneur, mom to twin girls, and this podcast is not only for parents who homeschool their children, but it is also for all parents who want to supplement their child's education. Our goal is to provide you with encouragement, insight about African history, and support as a parent and home educator. New episodes are uploaded bi-weekly, so please remember to subscribe and share. If you want to keep this podcast going, consider supporting it by donating to our Patreon page. At a low monthly cost, visit patreon.com slash cleverlychanging. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash c-l-e-v-e-r-l-y C-H-A-N-G-I-N-G. Thank you. Today's African proverb is, we desire to bequest two things to our children. The first one is roots, the other one is wings. And that's a Sudanese proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. Matoto means baby in Swahili. This is Cleverly Cultured Kids. <laughs> All right, so we have a special guest today, and our special guest is. Michael, Michael, can you tell us a little bit about how long you've been homeschooled? Um, I've been homeschooled for literally my whole life. I, we went, my family has been trying out for a few schools, but we never really went to them. And we, uh, we just kind of decided that homeschooling was better for me. So do you like home, being homeschooled? Yes, there's a lot of perks to it, and it's really fun. And you get to see all your parents a lot more than, I'm guessing, people who have to go to school for like eight hours do. And what grade are you in? I'm in the ninth grade. So you've been homeschooled all of your life. So from elementary, middle, and now you're in high school. That's pretty cool. So my next question is, do you feel that you're self-sufficient in, as far as homeschooling is concerned, or do you have to spend a whole lot of time with your parents teaching you? I'm pretty self-sufficient. Um, not really a lot of things I have to do with my mom. Um, I do pretty much all of my subjects, except if I'm going on a field trip or anything like that. Okay. What's your favorite subject? It would probably be math or science. 
and why do you like math and science? Math is figuring out stuff in uh, algebra. I'm taking algebra too. It's figuring out stuff that uh, I don't know, and I like that. The processes. And for science, science is just fun. Well, that's pretty cool. Can you tell us, like, what type of things you're learning in science this year? Um, my mom just got the new chemistry curriculum, so I'm doing that. I'm doing chemistry now. It has five subjects, meteorology, and it has geology, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Okay, well, that's pretty cool. I know that you have... Um, five different siblings and you have siblings who are in middle school siblings who are in elementary school and you have a like a pre-k you have a baby sister so do you help out with your siblings when it comes to homeschool yes er, um if mom my mom she usually it gets them together but she sometimes asks me to help them with their homework Okay. Do you teach your siblings any subjects? Not yet, but um, I want to teach it like my little brother William. One of it, I want to help him with one of his workbooks. Okay. I usually try and do that. Do you ever read books to your siblings? I do it a few times, but my um, my little sister, my not my little little sister, but Katro, she I read books to. She reads books to them, so. And how old is she? She is eight. Okay. So for families who have kids who are homeschooled from, you know, different ages, do you have any advice for them? It's good. It takes a lot. But once you get it going, it's actually pretty easy. And it's really fun for the kids. Okay. Well, is there something that you want to tell other kids who are homeschooled or kids who haven't been homeschooled yet? Is there something that you want them to know about being homeschooled? Do you think there are any myths about homeschool? Because I know some people think that homeschool kids aren't that social. And I think you and your siblings are very social. So would you tell anybody something about socialization in homeschoolers? Socialization in homeschooling, it may be a little limited, but there's ways you can, you can go to plenty of co-ops. As I said, you can find plenty of groups who go on field trips. You can have fun with other kids. You can still go to church, stuff like that. Do you uh, participate in a lot of things that are outside of like homeschooling, like maybe co-ops? Do you get to speak? Do you get to do other things? Yeah. Um, in fact, I took uh, last semester, I took a speech and debate class with my uh, friends from co-op. And uh, before that, I actually was in Pathfinders. I went there every Sunday. Okay. Very cool. So... I know that you've taken some really cool classes online and some at co-op. In all of your homeschooling years, what has been like your favorite class that was kind of unusual that you took? Speech and debate. Before um, I took it, I was really, I really wanted to debate people because I used to watch Kent Hovid debates and other people, um, evolution versus creation and Sunday versus Sabbath debates all the time. 
So I really got to put that into play and do my own debate. Okay. And what is it about debates that intrigues you? I like fighting for arguments. And even if you don't win, it's really fun. Very, very cool. So thank you for sharing your thoughts about homeschooling with the Cleverly Cleverly Changing podcast. So I hope that you have a fantastic school year and keep helping out with your siblings and do really well. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. We are excited about this grown folks section where we t- we're talking to a mom of six who homeschools. So Ayo, can you introduce yourself? Yes, I am Ayo. I have six kids, as she just mentioned. I am married to a pastor we therefore move around um every couple years which makes life exciting we have always homeschooled our oldest is 13 and our youngest is one and a half wow that's so you you teach from pre-k Man, that's even before pre-K, but pre-K all the way up to high school. So that's the full, (laughs) you have a kid in every segment of education. So elementary, middle, and high school. Correct. And I forgot to throw in, I run a e-commerce business and... Uh, yeah, a couple other things as well. So I also work from home. So you're working from home. You're teaching six kids. And I mean, that's amazing in and of itself. I know um, there are many parents who think that they can't homeschool because they're working, because they need to work. And it sounds like you're making it work. One of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on the Cleverly Changing podcast is because you homeschool multiple grades. And I know I often get asked, well, when I have a multi-grade classroom, what does that look like? Especially if I have younger kids who are not quite at the education aids yet. So can you kind of describe um, a day in your life? So what does that look like on a typical school day? Um, okay. I think it's first important to know your child some kids are ready to do work real early some are not ready to do any work till after they ran outside and played and all that so you have to take advantage of that for me okay um i'll start with the oldest he's 13 he's doing ninth grade so he's pretty much self-sufficient um, he, for his math, he's only algebra two, so he has a video lesson. This, the DVDs he watches, if he has an ant question, he'll come find me. But other than that, he knows what he has to do. He can do it 
pretty much on his own. So um, he goes to his little um, desk, sits on the sofa, wherever he wants to do, and knocks out his work. My 11-year-old, he's doing seventh grade. Once again, his language arts, spelling, um, geography, a lot of his science, a lot of his subjects he can do on his own, typing. He'll come find me when he's doing his math. Um, he isn't one who likes to do things at the same time every day or in the same order. So he'll just say, Mom, I have a question. Um, so therefore, I'll sit down with him and help him. My eight-year-old, of course, I have to help her more. Um, you know, read her spelling words, explain her um, language arts. She can do her handwriting by herself. She can do typing by herself. Um, her science, um, you know, if it involves her watching a video or something like that, help her get that set up. And also for my six-year-old and my four-year-old, they'll participate in whatever science their eight-year-old sister is working on. Or if she's watching a video about the parts of speech, I have them watch it with her. Um, so then that keeps them occupied. I also have the eight-year-old. I told her and my older kids, we have to read at least one book a day to the youngest three. Uh, so we make sure somebody reads them a book every day. And they, older kids, if they're done with their work and mommy's busy, they can help their siblings, the youngest ones, with their schoolwork, you know, what's two plus one? They can help them add the, you have one car and one truck, how many vehicles do you have total? They can help them do that, it's really simple. And so that's kind of how I get it done. I also, for the youngest ones, I made a YouTube playlist of some little videos, days of the week song, months of the year, the planets, um, you know, basic stuff they need to know, alphabet, phonics sounds, uh, things of that nature. And if I'm really busy, I will put that playlist on and that will keep them out of everybody's hair. And that yet they're still learning because it's that playlist will cover all their major um, things they need to go over on their level anyway. And, or, you know, various other educational videos. They have puzzles they can work on, uh, educational games, workbooks that they can do by themselves. And then, so the one-and-a-half-year-old, she's she'll watch the little videos with them. If they're doing a sight word video, she'll sit there and watch it, and she'll hear her trying to chime in or sing the song. She also likes to do workbooks. Um, so I just get an old workbook that somebody's not 
that somebody's finished and give her a crayon or something, put her in her high chair and let her scribble in it. She thinks she's doing work. She's staying out of everybody's hair. So that's kind of how I make it work. Wow. I, I loved how um, when you said that the older ones, when they're done with their work, they pitch in and help with the younger ones and, you know, read them a book or teach them something. I think um, having the older kids teach the younger kids really helps make sure that they know their stuff well. It's kind of like a review for them. So that's awesome. Right. So I, I love that um, you kind of, the way you described the classroom, um, you made it seem like your kids can learn anywhere. And it brought up my mind where one of the hurdles that some families have is they think they need to have a dedicated homeschool room. I would say having a homeschool room um, for some, it could be one of the myths of homeschooling. You can homeschool without having a homeschool room. So um, I know that in the past, you definitely had a whole homeschool room, but the way you described it now, you don't. Can you kind of talk a little bit about whether or not you think um, the necessity of having a homeschool room is a myth? I I do think it's a myth. I have, like I said, we've always homeschooled. So our current house, actually, we do have a homeschool room. The last house didn't. Um, anyway, this one has a home, a, I use my living room as a, quote, homeschool room. Um, you'll see pictures on in, Instagram and uh, Pinterest and all this of these elaborate setups. I went to Dollar Tree. They have educational section. They have posters, you know, days of the week, months of the year, numbers, alphabet, parts of speech, planets, things like that. I put some of that. I got a, a huge dry erase board that I have set up. Um, so if I'm explaining, like, doing an algebra with my son, I can write out the problem because that way everybody could, he could see it or whatever I need to do. But it doesn't have to be elaborate. And then, like I said, I run a business as well. So in actuality, the business, um, some of the business stuff had been in this homeschool room. So it wasn't as easily accessible for the kids. So um, a couple of them have a desk in their room. Um, in the past, everybody sat at the dining room table. Or um, you can sit on the sofa. We have bean bags. It doesn't have to be. In our house, we're not trying to per se replicate school at home. If you can get your work done while sitting on the sofa, that is fine with me. If you want to sit at the table, if we're all going over, if we're going to do a science experiment together or something, we need to all sit at the table so everybody can see. That's what we'll do. And that way, you all, everybody's at the table. I can be in the kitchen. You have to make it work for you. If you have the space and resources to have a schoolroom and that's what you want to do, by all means, do it. But it's not a necessity. And especially if you only have one or two kids, you can easily get it done in the space you have with no problem. Right. It's interesting that you mentioned that because for me, we have a homeschool room, but we don't use it that often because um, 
I find that they do some, the subjects that they do on their own, I usually let them do it in the homeschool room. And maybe if I'm teaching a new concept, but most of the time I'm in the kitchen. So they're sitting um, in the kitchen with me and, um, you know, I'm just keeping my eyes on them, working on something else, multitasking. And so um, I find that I don't use my homeschool room as much as I thought I would. I really was like hung up on that idea. I got to have this room so perfect. And, you know, in the thick of things, I'm like, I don't even use it as much as I thought I would because we don't necessarily homeschool, particularly from, you know, 10 to um, four or 10 to three or something like that. We don't do that. So we, um, we typically do a couple hours. So I want you to talk about, um, how many hours it takes you because for a lot of people, when they enter into homeschool, they're like, is this going to be my whole day? How am I going to be able to work at the same time? How long should people really be homeschooling um, the various grades, grades? Because I know that it kind of differs if your kid is in an elementary school versus high school. So can you kind of speak on the timing? Um, I'll say, first of all, you need to check with your, especially for a high school student, you need to check with your state regulations. Uh, look on the HSLDA website um, and find out because some states have specific regulations on how many hours you have to do. I'm in Tennessee. I have to do four hours for, you know, for my older son, my oldest um, sons. Obviously, my four-year-old, he's not technically, he's not school age, so it doesn't matter what we do. Uh, but with the oldest, some states have a minimum, so you need to check with that, first of all. I think, like you were saying, the myth of, oh, it's going to take me eight hours, or I've got to do it from eight to three. No, you don't have to do that, because what people don't take into consideration in a public school setting or even a private school setting, the teacher has 20, 30 kids that they're trying to teach that one concept to. So it takes a long time to get that concept across. Right. So that way, you know, that's that's why the day is so long. I can crank, if you look at all the subjects my kids cover, you may think, oh, that's a lot. But, you know, typing, maybe 20 minutes they go on one of the typing websites they were using do their type of practice keep it moving um like i said uh i'm trying to think of another subject this real quick there's multiple subjects oh they were watching they were doing a civics class it just involves them watching a participating in a webinar once a week for 30 minutes so you know all these add up but it doesn't have to, it's not all day so like I said I have to do my oldest has to do four hours and that covers all his core subjects you know if he wants to do a he likes to do STEM activities some kind of computer programming something like that that's not even counted in my four hours, but that can be counted as educational time. Um, my 
back to my youngest, my four-year-old, you know, kids that age don't have that much attention span. So if you want, he and the six-year-old, they're both boys. If they want to play first thing in the morning, we let them do that. Get all the wiggles out. Come in. Listen, our basics we're going to cover. You need to write. You need to go over your phonics and you need to do math. So those three things. And they don't have to be back to back. If you want to write, now you want to go play some more, go ahead. And then, you know, they'll come back, mommy, I'm ready to do my homework. Okay, and then we'll sit down and we'll crank out math and have them read their sight words or whatever. And that's pretty much it. When their sister watches a science, hey guys, your sister's watching a science video, they'll come in and do that. But it doesn't have to be, okay, everybody sit in your little corner at your little desk for hours on end. You, you have to be flexible. Otherwise, you're basically your kids are going to get cranky. And then it's all going to go down here. Oh, yes. So you just mentioned that your kids can be cranky. And I think um, that's one of the challenges of homeschooling. What advice would you give a parent who says, my kid doesn't even want to do their work? What would you tell them? I think you need to assess the situation. Is it too hard for them? Is it too easy for them? Um, is it just not their learning style? Um, you, you have to basically assess the situation. I've Some people, I've seen homeschoolers that like to recommend specific curriculum. But then, and I've been guilty of this, so I ordered it. And my kids hated it. And so they wouldn't do it. So then I had to get something else. But you have to take that into consideration right if you're child if you're trying to do multiplication tables multiplication facts and your child's auditory learner okay so you may need one of the programs that involve the music and the singing the multiplication tables not just one that's just going to have them you'll hear the term kill and drill just write it down over and over and over and over again like how we used to have to do when we grew up you know <laughs> so you gotta you have to assess the situation right. and try to determine what the issue is. They it you know, they may just be having a bad day. But if this is an ongoing issue, it may be what you're using or the method and you may need to change things up. And and you can even ask them their opinion. I've done that. Do you like this do you like this math book? You don't? Okay, why don't you? Is there one that we used in the past that you did like? Okay, well, let's get that. I love how you um, you talk to them and get their input. Um, that really says a lot because it sounds like you're giving your kids options and you're um, validating and giving value to what they say. And I think that's very important, a very important part of parenting in general. Yeah, well, you know, with, once again, with that reasoning, because if you just say, I don't want to do any math, although that's not an option. <laughs> but I let them, you know, especially during the summer, like experiment with different types of um, 
a lot of companies, online ones, will let you do a two-week trial, one-week trial with their material. And you can let your child kind of gauge, hey, I like this. This is working for me. I don't like this. This is terrible. You know, and then when you get to, you know, August or whenever you start your school year, you're kind of more um, prepared to know what they what will and won't work will and what won't work for your time right right so i have just two more questions for you i'm going to start with the first one um and it's how did you know that your kid was self-sufficient enough to do the work on their own my my oldest has always been self-sufficient um he he's always been able to occupy himself. Even like as a baby, he would wake up in the mornings and he would sit in his crib and he would just play with his toys, sing to himself, whatever. Um, and then, you know, as he got older though, he was still able to just occupy himself. And therefore when we started teaching him, he's, um, he, once he gets it, he's gone. He could go finish it. And he just comes and he'll come look for you when he needs something. He's, like I said, we've always homeschooled everybody. So I used to, I used to work a part-time job as a respiratory therapist at night. And I was still able, this goes back to can you homeschool and work? I would, when I came home from work, I would just write whatever he needed to do on my dry erase board and he would do it. And my husband would be in and out and his uh, grandmother was there, but he was able to do his little work and he was maybe six at the time. He was able to do his little work on his own and then he would, um, I say turn it in, but you know, he would go find an adult who was awake because I, I slept during the day and he would show it to them and they would, you know, help him with that. My, I, but I do have a child that's not self-sufficient. She, well, and also age related, but I have one that will, you know, sit and stare out the window and want to talk about ballet and all other kind of things. So you have to know your child and know okay I can't leave this one unattended because this one will not get anything done so I think it's important to kind of watch your children and know their capabilities what they can handle and if they can't handle it due to their age or whatever then that's the one you have to hey guys you know I need you to come in the kitchen with mommy and sit at the table and everybody else can go work in their room or you know our homeschool room which is just there for decoration if you want to go in there uh you can sit in there and work or however however you, you know I have a couple my oldest will say hey mommy I want to go sit outside and do my work and sit outside on the back porch and go ahead so just
just you just have to know your child. I believe. That was a great segue into my next question because it sounds like you learned early on that your oldest was a gifted child because I don't know any babies. Well, I guess some babies do self uh, regulate themselves and can occupy themselves without crying. Um, but that is definitely not the norm. And to continue to do that during your academic years, that's just a blessing. You know, I think that's every parent's dream. Yes, just occupy yourself. Um, but, um, you know, my next question is, you definitely have identified that um, you have a gifted child. And for people who are homeschooling their kids and want to challenge them when they recognize that they're gifted, what advice would you give to parents who are raising and homeschooling a gifted child? Um, definitely, you have to challenge your child. That may be why, that's why I said earlier, you have to if they're complaining about their work, it may be too easy. Um, I know my husband said he had that issue growing up. They told his mom, oh, you're, they told him his, his mother that he was slow and they were going to test him because they wanted to put him in like, you know, special education or whatever. They tested him and he tested, he came back, he was a gifted underachiever. So, you know, but if you didn't challenge him, he wasn't going to do anything. So. I think that there's, first of all, there's tons of resources and they, there's tons of free stuff. My, there's a lot of sites. There's a site called Coursera. My oldest, when he was, traffic hold was, he might've been 10 or 11. They had a class on air offered by the University of Argentina about scratch programming and I happened to find it all the the classes on that site are free they're offered by universities well-known universities you'll find things um from you know Johns Hopkins uh all kinds of schools so he wanted to take this class so I signed him up for it and he took the class it, it gave him everything you know you work at your own pace within reason but he would do his little assignments turn everything in and he continues to take classes there's um, another site called Allison they work the same way uh, you can as your child gets older they also offer you can pay and get a certificate that your child completed it so which would you know look good in their portfolio so you that's an option as well MIT offers classes. So your child can take classes from MIT. They science, math, whatever, they're free. Uh, depending on the class, it will give you, you know, it gives you all the video lecture. It will give you the work they need to complete. And a lot of them will also have the ans answers because, you know, MIT, that's not my area of expertise. I need the answer key. So, you just have to look through it and it and it will let you know if that's available for that specific class. Um, we also plan to just go on and have him do dual enrollment. Um, he's working on studying for his ACT now. 
there's no reason if your child <clears throat> if your child's a capability there's no reason to hold them back oh you know he's just 13 he no if your child can do it let them do it while they're motivated this is another reason why my oldest you would probably never see him in a public school setting because of his age versus his capability level there's they can't accommodate him so we just find different ways you know you can whatever his interests are he told me he wanted to be a mathematics professor okay so i've bought him books all the way up to trigonometry and he, he sits and reads it so you have to know your child know what they like and just search for resources there's a lot out there and it doesn't have to cost you there are specific curriculums for gifted children um, you can look into that if you want or <clears throat> like I said you don't have to don't feel like oh they're just six they need to work you know on first grade stuff no if they can do fifth grade let them do it that's that's the whole beauty of homeschooling it's flexible there's no specific um guidelines that says they're at this age so they have they can only do this no that's not that's not how it works if your child is four and they know the multiplication table you keep it moving now they need to learn division however whatever works for you don't hold your child back because that's like I said earlier, that's how they can start telling you they're bored or whatever. My All my kids like to read. We're at the library, well, up until this recent um, virus outbreak. We were up at the library literally two to three times a week. All the librarians know us. We come in, check out 75 books, keep it moving. Just read. That is excellent. I love what um, what you said. You've given us so many things to glean from. And I know parents who are raising multiple children that are multiple ages. This was super helpful. I appreciate you talking about how you've navigated raising a gifted child as well, because that is a question that I get often. And I think you're doing an excellent job. Um, your children are excelling and it shows. Um, so I just, I, I love how you've made it work. We'll definitely have to have you for a part two to talk about just the logistics of it all, like cleaning house, <laughs> how you give your kids chores, kind of the parenting side. Because I think when you have multiple kids, it gets a little harder. Um, so we'll definitely have to have you back to talk about those. But um, I think with what you said, people can just um, glean from it. So I, I thank you and I appreciate you spending time with us. Not a problem. So um, can you give us kind of your social channels so that people can follow you? Um, my Instagram is team branch, one word, T-E-A-M-B-R-A-N-C-H. And I'm not, I don't really use my Twitter, so I'm not going to even <laughs> go with that. And I am on Facebook. My name is 
Ayadela Cavins Branch. Um, I would clearly have to spell that for you, A-Y-O-D-E-L-E-C-A-V-I-N-S, last name Branch, like a tree. Okay. Well, thanks so much for all the advice and just the tips that are working for your family. We appreciate it. And we wish you the best in your homeschool and just your family in general. And we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Talk to you later.